welcome to today's episode of Ascend and Transcend. I'm very excited for our guest today. His name is Mark Anthony, and he is better known as the Psychic Lawyer. Uh, he's the author of a forthcoming book out October 12th titled The Afterlife Frequency, The Scientific Proof of Spiritual Contact and How That Awareness Will Change Your Life. He's been on a million different TV shows, it seems like. So he's highly thought after and nationally recognized. And I'm very excited to have you on Ascend and Transcend today. Thanks, Elizabeth. It's an honor to be here. I, I would love to just get your feelings on people that have skepticism around this whole, I don't even want to call it idea because I think it's proof of our ability to be able to communicate with ancestors, our loved ones who have passed, or even just the guides that I believe are kind of up there assisting us. Do you have anything to say just so we can kind of smash it as we get out the gates here? What you feel like is driving skepticism around this whole ability or gift? Fear and ignorance. And I don't, <laughs> and, and the thing is, I don't mean that in a, in an, in a demeaning or insulting way, fear, yeah. because people have always been afraid of the unknown and death is the great unknown. It's the void, you know, it's, it's, you don't physically see or, or have the, the joy of someone's presence in the physical sense. Again, ignorance, because so many people, if they can't experience it through the five physical senses of sight, hearing, taste, smell, and touch, ergo, it doesn't exist. Or they are following belief systems that create and instill fear. And, and I'm a big proponent of religion and in faith, but nothing that instills anger, bigotry, hatred, or violence. So I think that's what the problem is. And it's funny too, Elizabeth, because then there's the crowd that says, well, I believe in science. I'm a skeptic. And <laughs> Their yeah. brain, mind is closed. That's not a skeptic. That's a cynic. A mm. skeptic is an open-minded person who, when presented with proof, with facts, with evidence, will then believe. So, so that's pretty much uh, my my approach on on uh, the people who just outright reject it. And because a lot of people, if it's outside of my realm of experience, well, then I don't believe it. I get that sometimes too. I'm a believer. I feel like I believe in everything, right? All of this, you know, I'll always just say like, well, what's the downside? I, I really don't understand what the drawback is of being open and receptive and believing because you can have such wonderful gifts and guidance flow to you if you are in an open and receptive headspace, right? Well, that's come from millennia of religions. And there's a big difference between God and religion. I believe that God exists in spite of religion, not because of religion. True spirituality is defined by peace, love, and understanding, not by shame, guilt, and fear. So you're saying we all have the ability. There's different levels. Maybe you have to hone in, but would you say it's a gift or an ability that you have to be able to talk to those who have passed or guides? I would say that my ability is a gift, but we all can experience it to varying degree. Uh, some people are simply better at it than others. For example, Elizabeth, you know, um, obviously you're a very physically fit person and I bet you can swim. Okay. But will you win a gold medal at the Olympics? And I bet you could play tennis, but are you going to beat Serena or Venus Williams on a tennis court? We're, we're just simply all good at different things. And some people have a more of a proclivity for this. And I explained this in my book, The Afterlife Frequency, how we have we all have the same physiology and there's two areas in our body that are the psychic receptors and they simply may be more developed in some people than they are in others. 
Can you tell us about those, where those areas are and how we make them a little bit more receptive? Absolutely. Um, I, I love I love the title of this podcast because it's Ascend and Transcend. I mean, that's like right on the money for, for what I do. Okay. Women's intuition. Okay. So all you ladies out there that are listening, um, even though Elizabeth and I can't see you, if you've, if you've ever experienced women's intuition, raise your hand. All right. So all the women are going to raise their hand. All right. Guys. Now, now if we put it like intuition for guys, you're going to get those. Oh, well, uh, how about gut instinct? All right. Yeah. First responders, military personnel, and this applies to, to both genders, all have gutting instinct. That's because at the bottom of the rib cage is the solar plexus. For people who engage in yoga or are familiar with the seven chakras in our body, well, 5,000 years ago, the Hindus discovered the chakras. There are seven main chakras within our body, which the locations of which correspond with the seven endocrine glands in our body. And the solar plexus chakra, which is most closely aligned with the pancreas, but the solar plexus is the second most complex bundle of nerves in the body outside of the cerebral cortex. And it has been referred to by scientists as the second brain. Well, that's why if, if you're a parent, all of a sudden you get this sick feeling in your stomach that maybe something has gone wrong with one of your children, that's because this is where we receive the vibration and the, the emotional and physical sensations and impulses. That is, is the gut feeling, the gut instinct is the most commonly experienced form of psychic activity. The second area in the body is the proverbial third eye chakra. Okay, the solar plexus is the yellow chakra. This is the indigo colored chakra. And about four, four and a half to five inches behind the center of your forehead is a small and very mysterious gland, perhaps the most misunderstood organ in our body, the pineal gland. It's uh, between the size of a grain of rice and a, and a lima bean. Within it, calcite and magnetite crystals within the pineal gland. What was the first radio? Piece of qu uh, quartz crystal, copper wire running low levels of electricity through it, tunes into frequency. And that's the receptor for the visions, for the auditory information, for the data and knowledge. And so everybody has the same basic physiology, but essentially we have a radio station in our heads and there's a lot more to the pineal gland than that. It also governs our perception of light, not just physical, but I believe also spiritual. And think about it, Elizabeth, every spiritual teacher from 5,000 years ago in India through ancient Egypt, Greece, Rome, Native American spiritualists, have described God as what? Light. People that have near-death experiences talk about leaving their body, have a floating sensation, going through a tunnel into light. And so light may be the way that we perceive the spiritual energy of the infinite intelligence, all source of creation, power, love, energy that we call God. It's interesting that you say light. This is a little off topic, but do you think that our guides, ancestors are trying to sometimes communicate with us through light here? I know that there's lots of different signs, but the frequency mm. of electricity and light, I've had some wild experiences as of, as so have a lot of my clients and a lot of my friends. And so I always wonder, you know, are flickering lights, things like that, TV going on and off, should we chalk those up to just being, you know, time to call the electrician 
or is it a little bit more fun to think of it as somebody trying to send us a signal? Absolutely. Spirits can affect energy fields. Spirits can influence electrical fields. And one of the the new theories, the new terms that I am presenting in the afterlife frequency is the electromagnetic soul, because that describes what we really are, Mm -hmm. pure electromagnetic energy that is eternal consciousness. And this term combines both faith and science, and it's already being, my book's not even out yet, but the scientists who've reviewed it have already started calling it the EMS, um, that our soul, our spirit, the EMS. Traditionally in the realms of science, there is physics, the study of inorganic matter, and biology, the study of living organisms, but on the subatomic level, everything at its most fundamental level is the same electromagnetic energy. So therefore, there is no distinction between biology and physics there. The electromagnetic soul, when we die, think of your soul as a drop of water, okay? And that electromagnetic soul then plunges into the eternal sea of souls, what I call the collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. But you maintain your identity. I mean, what is the ocean? It's a tremendous number, vast, incomprehensible number of drops of water. And so when an electromagnetic soul or a group of souls, maybe a group of your deceased Mm -hmm. loved ones want to pop in and say hi to Elizabeth, all of a sudden your phone goes a little bit wonky, your lights start to blink. I, I remember after my mother, who was a medium, when she passed and, you know, we had her phone turned off, her best friend kept getting calls from my mother's number. Uh, And I could go on and on and on about this. But to answer your question directly, absolutely do spirits intervene or influence electrical fields. I totally agree. I think people think that maybe I just want to believe it a little bit more than it's realistically happening. But, you know, I have lights that flicker and it's, you know, I ask them to flicker and it'll take a while, but then they do. And, you know, I've had witnesses there. I've drugged my husband upstairs. It only happens in one room of the house and he's bare, been witness to it. And I could see him getting a little freaked who's, out. And who's um, the female, who's the female that comes to mind when you think about it? Uh, it's my paternal grandmother, Dorothy. Okay. Um, yeah. I know that she's with me. Yeah. She she's yeah. Cause there's a female around you. That's like totally into it. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. I, I've gotten to the point where I have a deep level of comfort. I'll ask them questions. And I mean, I I would love for you to explain to a little bit to the listeners on how, and if they should be relying and asking questions to those who've passed and, and if they can really take not only comfort from that, but also help bringing forth these instincts and these abilities to lean into the messages that they're getting to really apply them to their everyday life. One of the main teaching modalities of my new book, The Afterlife Frequency, is the raft technique that teaches people how to recognize signs from spirits like you do, accept it as real. Now, here's where people get get caught up, feeling, because in in, in Elizabeth, this is constructive observation. You even said, well, I kind of want it to be real. You said something to that effect. Yeah, I know. Feel it. Oh, yeah. Okay. I do. Accept it. Feel it as real. Also, feel it without immediately picking it apart. Cause that's where a lot of people go wrong. Oh, it's just my imagination. I want this to happen. It's probably a coincidence. 
And so feelings where they stall out. But once you get past that, then you hit trust. Okay. You trust the message. When you see a sign from a spirit, you recognize it. They can come in many ways, maybe in a dream, maybe you'll smell a familiar scent, or you catch a glimpse out of your peripheral vision. And there's a reason why they appear in your peripheral vision. Or you are compelled to turn on the radio and there's that song that touches your heartstrings. So you recognize the signs, accept them as real, feel it without fear, and then trust the message. And you can know, and the other part of your question, you asked, well, should they be trusting these messages? This ties into something I said earlier. True spiritual messages are about love, healing, and resolution. Nothing spiritual is controlling, nothing spiritual, nothing from the light is negative. So when you get a message that resonates with you and brings you inner peace, joy, healing, inspiration, that's that's when you trust, that's, that's when you know it. It's so interesting. I couldn't agree more. And I am a, I'm a full-on believer, but I always feel like I have to kind of like interject the, the possible counterpoint that our listeners might be thinking. And, and I was to the point where I was really having people come in. I needed them to validate it. And a really good friend of mine who's a medium said, you know, quit trying to get people to validate, you know, these experiences that you're having. They're not for them. They will have their own experiences along their journey in due time. So I think that's another really important piece, Mark, is that if you do feel like you're getting guidance or a sign, you know, feel free if you if you feel like you trust somebody and you want to share it with them. That's one thing, but it can also be really good just to hold those close to your heart because you might invite some sort of doubt or skepticism. If somebody doesn't understand and they haven't experienced it, it can be very easy for them to come in and then plant these other seeds of, well, you know, that was probably just the lights were flickering because you need a new bulb or this or that. So I've, I've instead now gotten very private, although I'm sharing it on a podcast here, but like I know my truth. I know that when things come to me, they are meant for me and I don't need somebody else to approve of them or validate them. Absolutely. Your collective of spirits, your guides, your loved ones and spirit, they're transmitting messages to you for your benefit. What you do with that is up to you. My situation is a bit different because, I mean, I go on TV, on um, podcasts like this, radio, other radio shows. I go in front of you know, audiences and I connect their loved ones in, in spirit. And, you know, despite that, um, I remember I did an event. Uh, it was in Arizona. It was in Sedona, which is a great spiritual place. And everybody totally. needs to go. And I was, I, it was like really, really coming together. Everything at night, I was nailing. It. I was getting names, dates, places, everything. And one woman um, who was a total skeptic, she said, well, that was all very vague. Okay. The, the lady standing next to her, her uncle, I said, there's a guy named Walter coming through who feels like he died from a stroke. She goes, oh, my God, my uncle Walter just died from a stroke. And he wants you to know this. And he said that you've got to start. I told her what vitamin she uh, needs to be taking. Because that's what my doctor just said. All right. But okay. the person sitting next to her, well, that's really vague. Really? I just fling out the name Walter, <laughs> that you have a biotin right. deficiency, that somebody died of a stroke. The thing is, I wonder too, can you, can you help us if, if we do want to ask for guidance on something, what's the best way about going to get into the frequency to be able to tune into the answers? I, I know that there are some other books. One that I happen to love is E squared by Pam Groud about, you know, asking the universe for signs and then, you know, 
really believing that your thoughts have power to manifest. I've always thought it was more divine things being planted from ancestors and and guides. So I've asked to see certain things. Mine is an orange bus. I asked to see that within 24 hours when I want like a yes for something. Oh, I love it. And I see them like crazy. My children see them as well. But is that a good idea to kind of like have a set sign that is something that you can rely on when you have a question? Or is it better to just maybe get in a meditative place, ask a question, and then wait for those bodily chakra kind of feelings to come through. All of the above. You know, you develop your own style, your own technique. You see, you want the validation, which is good, okay, which is good because that is how they work with you. And even though energetically we're all receiving information the same way through a frequency alignment, you know, the afterlife frequency aligning with our electromagnetic soul's frequency, that's the technical basis, but how we manifest it, how we process it, that's where we're individualized. And so if that's what works for you, absolutely do that. For other people going into the meditative state, meditation is always good. It's just good for you. Think of your consciousness like a blackboard and you wake up in the morning and every thought, impulse, reaction, emotion, you're writing it all on this board. Well, by the, you know, Meditation, you get to erase all of that chatter and clatter and distraction and have one thought, okay? And maybe that's connecting with your spirit guides or just asking for guidance. And then the other approach is don't try, okay? Because when you start trying too hard, I um, when you flood things with angst or you're doing a reading with the medium and you say no to everything mm. because you're jumping to conclusions and also many of the things that spirits are transmitting may not yet have happened. So you're, no, 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 no. And then later on, it's it's yes. Okay. Don't overthink it. Don't try. And sometimes I tell people, instead of saying, I want the spirits to come, change the focus of the energy to, I welcome you into my dreams. I welcome you to send me a sign and then just let it happen. And then trust it when it comes. <laughs> and trust it, the raft technique. Yes. Yes. I wonder too, I, I know that there have been moments in my life and in friends' lives where, you know, I've gone to a retreat or something and there's a psychic medium there and I book a session. And then like two months later, I feel like I need to like talk again. Is there such a thing as like relying too heavily on psychics or mediums, or is that this trying too hard if you're constantly trying to connect? Yeah, that's what we call psychic junkies. People that get really like, they want a reading every week. First off, um, any, any psychic who will do that, you need to avoid because that's not a psychic, that's a predator. I always tell people, wait about six months after the passing of the loved one. Spirits can communicate right away, but you're not ready. Even though you want it, want it, want it, if you're hysterical crying and just going through all sorts of grief and pain, you're not going to get the maximum benefit from the reading because you need to listen, you need to be able to, to put the pieces of evidence together. And if you want another reading, I say, wait at least six months, now you're going to be in a different space emotionally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. And so then you'll be able to accept and gain the most benefit from those messages at that time. So yeah, if you want to go for a reading like every two or three days, all you're doing is, is first off, you're not listening right. to what they're telling you. And secondly, you're wasting your money. I think it's out of desperation too. I know. And sure I wasn't, it, that, it was like every, you know, three or f- maybe it was like, 
maybe every six months, but even to me, that felt like a lot, but I was desperate for, I just felt lost. That was a time in my life where I felt lost. And I really just wanted somebody to tell me what to do, you know, and, sure. and to try to help me see through it. And I, I've always felt my grandmothers. And even though I know they were always communicating, you know, my human skeptical brain would say, okay, but if somebody else who is very real and I can see them with my five senses is telling me something, then it will be easier for me to accept. But a question that I've always really kind of wanted to ask is, is there a way that we can help people who have just had a loved one pass? I know, you know, this happens frequently and I always feel really cliche, but I'm like, well, you have a very powerful guardian angel up there. I really do feel like they're a heavy hitter for you then. Sure. Like I've had clients whose parents have died and I'm like, well, just talk to them in meditation and ask. They're very powerful. Like, they know you best. Yeah. They're going to be up here helping. And they really do. But is that the best thing? I mean, to kind of say, or is it true? Or do you have any advice on how to try to comfort people who've just lost somebody? I do. On my website, afterlifefrequency.com, there is a page called grief management. Mm. And there's several different uh, coping strategies. And one thing that I encourage um, everybody to read, whether or not you've just lost a loved one or not, is the 10 things to say to someone in grief and the 10 things not to say to someone in grief. Like you can always have another child. Oh. oh, you're young. You'll meet someone else. She lived a long time. They're in a better yeah. place. And the thing is, all of those statements are not meant to be cruel or malicious, but people who say them feel that they're being comforting. Don't tell a parent who lost a child that their child's in a better place or someone who lost a spouse or significant other that, oh, well, you know, you can find somebody else. The better things to say are, I'm so sorry for your loss. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just a hug will do. Or you can even say, I wish I knew what to say. My heart yeah. goes out to you. That's what people need to hear. Don't start the, oh, they're around you and there's a spiritual entity. And that's a, you know, because when I go to funerals, it's always very weird for me because the spirits can see, they know that I can see them and they'll whoop, come yeah. right to me. But you don't go up to the family and go, oh, by the way, Bob just came and said, blah, 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 blah. They're not ready for that just then. And maybe some people are, and some people may ask, but that's why I decided to put that, that page on my site. There's also okay. coping techniques. Dealing with people who've lost loved ones, we have to be very careful not to hurt their feelings, especially when you think you're saying something healing and comforting. I think you just have to say something, even if it's, I don't know what to say, but I think exactly. the lack of saying things is what gets us in the most trouble or even prefacing it with, I don't know if this is going to come out right, but you know, this, but it's, I think when you get scared and you freeze up and you don't say anything, then that is when they can feel alone, kind of abandoned. So I was going to ask you as well, as far as I think it's was our, one of our last guests was um, a suicide prevention specialist, somebody who had struggled with it, had two suicide attempts, yeah. um, Mark Hennick, a wonderful guest. And I was wondering if you have any words of wisdom for parents or loved ones who have lost somebody to suicide. Do you see them coming through just as much time. as other angels? A absolutely. And see, um, when you say angels, this is my belief. Angels are a separate species. 
Mm-hmm. People do not become angels. Angels were never people. There's a lot of, lot, there's an infinite array of intelligent entities in spirit. And animals can communicate too, which is, which is really a trip. Um, and, and, but they aren't just gone. They don't just no, go to no, some no, no. different they're, they're, place than somebody who dies of natural causes. Energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. And people who die from suicide, we have to be very understanding of this because these people believe that they were in a hellish reality from which there was no escape other than cessation of their own consciousness. All right. It's like the people on 9-11 when the, the Twin Towers were engulfed in flames who were jumping to their deaths. Mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, uh, people were, uh, we were watching this on television and people were screaming, how could they do that? Well, they were faced with a choice and be incinerated, burned to death, which is, I don't even want to comprehend yeah. that amount of pain. Or jump, which isn't you know uh, by any means uh, fantastic, but it would be over really quickly. Psychologically, someone who dies from suicide is in the same predicament from their perspective, and the reason that religions, you know, even the Buddhists say that oh, bad karma, you'll come reincarnated as a you know a duck, you know, in a, yeah. in a pit full of lions or something, you know, you know, I'm just being, uh, right. using an extreme example there and, uh, Christians, Muslims, uh, say you're going to go to hell, but what it is, suicide hurts everyone around that person so badly that the religions come down very, very hard on it. Conversely, I never recommend anyone take their own life because, that sets off a whole karmic chain of events because you hurt so many other people. You should always mm-hmm. reach out to suicide hotlines, to your faith community. There are, there are people there who care, trained professionals. But for those of you who've lost loved ones to suicide, they did not go to hell. First off, hell doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. Doesn't exist. <laughs> right. uh, hell's hell's here on earth. Exactly. You don't, you don't believe me? Hop on a plane for Kabul, Afghanistan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and I mean that, and and be a woman or gay um, right. or or anything but uh, you know whatever. But the thing is, I've communicated. I've done over fifteen thousand readings in my life. Communicated with probably two hundred fifty thousand spirits, and I've yet to meet one who died from suicide that was in any form of hell. Nor are people on the other side in mental anguish or physical anguish because energy is pure. It doesn't get sick, old, tired, or die. It is eternal. But suicide is an extremely painful condition for those who are left behind. But in all the sessions I've done, I've yet to encounter, and I know that I won't, a spirit who is being tortured because he or she was in that predicament. Yeah, I totally agree. And I I know that you saying that and from a credible place, hopefully that will get through to any listeners who still have doubts about that or are still really struggling with that. If there is somebody in their life who died by suicide, but I just thought it was important to just kind of throw out there. I had a feeling it it was going to be your answer, but I feel like we can never say it enough, you know, because it really does. It it affects all of us. My best friend, the best friend I ever ever had died from suicide. You know, and it touches all of us in some manner. Right. And, and and it's important to realize that they they are not condemned. I'm not going to say that there's not karmic repercussions, but on the other hand, I'm not God and I'm not here 
and nor right. are any of us to sit in judgment of someone. And for, for those who've lost someone to suicide, you know, it's how we react to it. That's the only thing that we have control over. So I know that we don't know because we have not died. At least we probably can't remember the last time we died. Do you have a theory of what happens after we die? Or have you gotten any insights from those who have passed on the other side? Our soul is is pure electromagnetic energy. That's why I came up with the term, the electromagnetic soul. So think of your soul as a drop of water. Think of your brain as a computer hard drive. And when the hard drive crashes, you are the programs, you're the data. And so you get uploaded to the cloud, okay? Or Dropbox, depending on what religion. (laughs) But the thing is, okay, so the brain is an organ that's part of the body. And it's for it's it's for formatting. Neuroscience is a study of the human brain, and and neuroscientists cannot understand how the brain creates consciousness because it doesn't. It merely hosts it while the electromagnetic souls in the body. So then, when we die, we immediately transfer to another frequency. And what's fascinating about near death experiences? So essentially, we live in AM radio. The afterlife frequency is FM radio, and we are transferring from AM to FM. So when we have spirit communication, it's an overlap of the two energetic systems, the lower and slower vibration of our material world and the more rapid, higher frequency of the other side. And so when we transfer to that, what's really fascinating, a near-death experience is like you're you're tethered to your body by a cosmic rubber band, and you just touch the afterlife frequency, and then wham, you come back. And that's why during an NDE, because you're still, you're in the transition between being a finite being with a finite um, means of perception to transferring to an infinite being with an infinite means of, of perception. And that's why people, they, they get the sensation of going through the tunnel. They will mm-hmm. interact and encounter deceased loved ones. And depending on how long or how intense the NDE is, will encounter the divine power that we refer to as God. And so when you come back, that's why people see, since we're still in that transitional period, so a lot of people say, I saw Jesus. It's because we're not quite an infinite consciousness yet. Right. So that we're interpreting infinity on the basis of our cultural references. That's why Hindus never see Christ. And that's why Christians never see Hindu deities. We see the anthropomorphic finite version of our interface with eternity. And I'm not saying Jesus doesn't exist. And for our Hindu brothers and sisters, I'm not saying that Shiva or Vishnu doesn't exist. What I'm saying is that that is part of the transition from finite to infinite consciousness and how we're relating to that. So until I, the I rubber know, band I'm, launches you, you're never going to... Yeah, and if the rubber connect. band snaps, it goes from being an NDE to a yeah. DE, right. and then you're part of the collective consciousness. Right. Because I've had a lot of people say, well, does God exist? And it's like, oh, yeah, you know. Well, how can I communicate with God? It's like, you always do. The question is, are you listening? Are you listening? I love that. One more question I have to ask you. Do you get stressed about everything or anything really bother you? Or do you just have this supreme inner peace because you know what happens and you know that you live on? You know, it's funny because people think that when you're a medium, that we somehow reside in the Republic of Kumbaya or run around (laughs) flowers and granola. 
I know I have the, the, the everyday stresses everybody else does. Um, I just have insights that this life is not all there is and that this yeah. is not it. There's a lot of times I sit down and I start laughing at myself for taking myself so seriously. Next time you take yourself too seriously, realize we are just a drop of water in this infinite ocean of existence. I totally agree. Are there any last words? I mean, I would highly recommend everybody get um, Mark's book, The Afterlife Frequency. Check out the other books as well. If you're listening to this and you feel more curious or you want to lean in a little bit more, this is your message. This is your sign to go forward with that. I think that it's always great. There's zero downside in my mind to honing your abilities a little bit more, right? You said, I might be able to swim, but I might not be as good as Michael Phelps. That's fine. But it doesn't mean that I should not try. swim better. So you always can deepen those abilities, correct? Absolutely. You know, we're here in the material world for such a short period of time. And we're here to experience things that infinite internal energy can't. In other words, grief, sorrow, pain, physicality. You know, every day that we're alive is a gift. Although many days may not feel this way. If I have any message to leave when I'm gone. It's it's a five-point message. God exists, heaven, the afterlife, nirvana, whatever you want to call the life beyond this one exists, that our electromagnetic soul is an eternal living being, that we can communicate with souls, and finally, that we will be reunited with our loved ones in the light when it is our appointed time to leave the material world. Thank you so much for sharing your gift, your abilities, your positivity, and your hopeful, wonderful insights and attitude with our listeners today. I'm in gratitude for it. And everyone, please check out Mark again. It's Mark Anthony. The book is The Afterlife Frequency. Thanks again.